Hey everyone! And welcome back! Line. Um. I don't. I didn't write anything down for you. <laughs> uh, what's the name of your ship? Oh, it's Autism on Shift. Ah, oh, sweet. Thanks for being here. Today we are talking to Andrea. Andrea is an IT project manager. And we are looking forward to chatting with her about her job. Hi, Andrea. Welcome. Hello. Good morning. How are you guys? Good morning. We're doing great. Good. Awesome. I'm excited to be here virtually. Thank you. Us too. Virtually, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Andrea, tell us what an IT project manager does and what kind of what a day looks like for you. Okay, sure. So, um, an IT project manager, kind of in the generic sense, um, would help all the different technical teams and the business teams get on the same page about what we're trying to do, what the goals are, and then work with each person and group to figure out the tasks. And then the project manager will literally put them all in order and figure out what has to happen in a certain order. And then the important thing is to figure out the super critical things that can't be late or the whole project's in danger. Okay. So that's that's called the critical path. So oh. it's basically organizing a whole bunch of people and helping them not be stressed about what we're trying to get done because we you know breaking it down into bite-sized pieces. Nice. Okay. So you take the stress so everybody else can can uh, do their part, right? Uh, it doesn't stress me out though no. because no. I like making order out of chaos. Yes. So. So I, I love it, and I, and I like um, when people feel relieved because now everybody's on the same page. So they count on me to bring up difficult topics and you know force conversations and get us to get to uh, a common understanding. So people yeah. will tell me things outside of the meeting and then I'm the one that brings it up and makes us get to a solution, so. That's interesting, I like that. That's awesome. What kind of projects uh, do you guys work on? Oh, gosh. Um, well, I would say that I'm a project management generalist. Okay. So any widget, I could manage a project. So anything from, like, building a house to, like, moving, uh, all of those things. Uh, but for work, lately, we've done some pretty big things. Like, we did, uh, we had to replace 24,000 um, computers for the Windows 7 to 10 migration. Oh, wow. Wow. And so um, I'm a senior program manager is my official title. So it's a little bit different than a regular project manager because I've been doing this for 20 years. I actually design a whole system of communication and process flow. So that project was originally estimated to take two years. And then I got involved and I helped us figure out ways to get it done in less than a year. Wow. Fabulous. So it's basically that big systems thinking and seeing way more data points than most people can see. Yeah. And then my brain organizes it and I figure out how to communicate it and we do it. Um, so that's one example. Also did, uh, we moved to a new building. Um, so I didn't manage the construction part, but I helped everybody figure out the people moving part. Okay. So like it was consolidating three buildings into one building. So it's like wow. this giant word problem, right? Of yeah. like, okay, 
you got to move these people before you can take their cubes down and move the cubes and set them up and it, so it's this giant logic puzzle of yeah. you know like the cabbage and the wolf and the sheep kind of thing <laughs> i love it yeah that sounds like a fun job yeah i think it is yeah i can see why i've been doing it for 20 years <laughs> so is every project similar like you said there are critical points is every project have the same critical points or do you have to redesign it every time you have a new project so there's a i would say kind of like a um scaffolding that is the same for all projects and then you're basically organizing everything around that scaffolding so like there's always a initiate phase where you're talking about like, should we even spend energy working on this? Is it gonna bring us value? You know, so you have to figure that out. So there's a framework for figuring that out. And then there's a planning phase where you actually write a charter, which is, you know, a project document, but it's basically a contract like ship captains used to have a contract with the owner of the ship so it's a similar thing where you're basically saying like hey executives this is what we think you want us to do if we do this will that be successful oh okay so that's the planning phase and then when you get through that that's when you literally start you know when when we weren't virtual we would be in a big room and literally have like a thousand post-its on the wall and move <laughs> stuff or you know like oh that has to happen first or you know, oh, we need a contractor for this bit. And then I would take that whole wall and turn it into a project plan, which kind of looks like Excel. Okay. Um, but the tasks all have relationships. So, is it um, more, sorry, uh, intro, I was wondering, is it more enjoyable setting it up from the beginning when it's kind of messy and organizing it, or is it or is just as exciting once you uh, move through the project and you start to complete things? Um, I, for me, it's both. As long as I'm involved in the planning. Like if okay. somebody gave me something that they had already planned, I'm gonna have to redo it most of the time because I'm gonna see efficiencies that they did. I mean, that's one of my superpowers is I can look and see Ooh, you know, like, hey, that's great, but if we did this, you know, it would save this many hours. And there's always a balance between, like, when I have what I think we should do, but then I have to remind myself that it's going to be a better product, a better project, if I bring everybody else in. Because somebody always has an idea that I didn't think of. True. But I have to remind myself of that. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> left to my own devices I would just go fi figure it out and tell everybody what to do <laughs> um, but like I've learned that I don't want to hurt a relationship a future working relationship by making someone not feel heard of course like I gotta I, it's a long-term relationship right so I don't want to win today and then them not feel good about working with me later yeah. there's a yeah. diplomacy to uh, every project I'm sure as well as I don't know, you know, after you've done it a while, I guess you don't have to wear a rubber band and snap it. You just kind of go with the flow and you say, okay, I know, know to deal, how to deal. Yeah, and I've been with the same place for 15 years now. So like I have what you call reputation collateral, right? So like, you know, if I have a time when I'm being more direct or terse, I think I have this whole background of good experiences for people. So they'll understand like, you know, it's just important to get to the point right now, and we don't always have time for, you know, 
how are everyone's cats and kids? Yeah, nice and easy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> totally get that. Yeah, useful concept for me is the subject matter expert, a SME is what yeah. we call that. And knowing that like, it's freeing for me because I don't have to understand everything about what they know. They're gonna tell me what, what I need to know from their stuff. I don't have to take on, and I used to do that. I used to take on where like, I needed to know everybody's parts so well that I could figure out a plan. And then now it's more, you know what I mean? I, I realized yeah. that if I take all that on, then it's all on my shoulders. Yeah. But uh -huh. if I trust them to tell me what they think we need to do, then it's their responsibility yeah. if that part doesn't work, right? Well, so that's been a big lesson. Does it get awesome. less in your, like when you took it all on yourself, did it get more in your way as well? Like, I well, mean, or is it just a, it's more stressful that way? It's, it's stressful, but it was also bad for the project. Sure. And so... Like when I'm the bottleneck and I'm having to make the decision. So that that's when I learned that, and that was a new skill I picked up is, you know, I ask a difficult question and then I'm, I shut up and I leave some space and, you know, people will feel uncomfortable silent. So like they would start talking and figure it out. But if I jump in and make a decision for somebody's area, then they're, you know, that could come back and bite me. Sure. So I would, you know, Restate, you know, I, I hear you saying that we could make this work this way. Did I get that right? So I use a lot of scripts. There are a lot of things yeah, that I yeah. say exactly the same way every time. And not only is it easier for me, but I think then people know what to expect. When they work with me, they know if we're having a difficult topic, I'm going to restate it, try and get us all on the same page, and then I'm going to get everybody to say they agree. So, uh -huh. you know, I'll say, all right, checking for consensus. And I'm like, you know, not is this the perfect solution or what we would do if we had a million dollars, but can you <laughs> live with this? And then when we leave the room, can you get behind it? Yeah. You know, I don't want to hear in two days that you didn't agree. Yeah. You know, you have to tell me now so we can have a good workable solution. So that's awesome. Do you have the same team every time? Or do you pick and choose people based on, you know, budget uh, constraints or um, uh, subject matter pieces? So there, there are, every company has a different way to organize it. You know, sometimes people are permanently assigned to the project manager and that's their boss for the project. And where I work right now, they don't do it that way. Uh, it's more collaborative and then there there are frequent flyers right like there are people <laughs> that like on this flavor of project I always work with this person for payroll or whatever um, so that makes it easier because then the next time we work together you know that person trusts me to listen when they say there's an issue and to help them get it resolved um, so they're more likely to listen to me because I've listened to them <laughs> that's awesome I mean, like I said, if it was up to me, I would just go plan the whole thing. So it goes against my nature to mm -hmm. need to work on the relationship part of things. But I, uh, I lucked out and one of my special interests was business relationships. And I just basically learned how to have a system for that and script it because it didn't come naturally to me at all. It's a good, I mean, it's a good lesson and it's an important thing to learn along the way. I, I imagine. Yeah. Yep. 
I can see how that's helpful. Having been in positions where I didn't do that and it was <clears throat> needed. <laughs> uh, well, like I think, so now knowing that I'm autistic makes a big difference because I always thought that this was like a skill deficit and that if I could keep working, I would eventually grow past it. Uh, but now I'm like, it's just a skill difference and I just need to learn to translate better. I like that. You know, and say like, hey, this is difficult for me. You know, like when we have the whole plan figured out and you give me a new resource who has different ideas and wants to change things, I find that incredibly stressful because we already have a plan. And so you need to realize that now this means we're replanning everything, yeah. you know? So it, it's been super helpful to know that my brain is just working differently, so. Absolutely. That's awesome. So can you tell us uh, some of the things that you enjoy about your job and some of the things that you don't enjoy about your job? I like that I'm always getting something different to do. It's a new problem to solve. So there are some companies that have project managers and you just install the same product like 200 times. I don't think I could do that. Yeah. Um, once things are cleaned up and working well, I get really bored and I have trouble paying attention. So how we've kind of adapted to that is I'll, we call what I do designing the project. And then okay. once it gets all smoothed out and we pilot it, somebody else takes it and goes and does it the, you know, dozens of times. Okay. Um, so I like that if I couldn't do that <laughs> and I had to do the same thing a hundred times, I would really dislike that. You know, I find that, um, uh, Thor, we were having this conversation the other day that I, I said something like, you know, uh, when I get bored, I, I tend to make up problems, you know, and I wonder if you, you would do. just, you were going to say you do too. <laughs> <laughs> well, when there's space, I will figure out other things to make better. Okay. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, so it, I mean, kind of like when we're, when you first get started, there's a whole layer of problems that are obvious on the surface and then you fix those. And then there's like a whole nother strata of issues. Right. And so, right. yeah, it's I mean, never you know, really it's, complete. you could go infinity on the improvements. So, um, that's a struggle for me too, is like what, what's good enough. Cause we don't have time for perfect. Yeah. And, uh, Sometimes for me to let it go before it's perfect is, is a dislike of mine, too. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, can, I definitely I that. understand that. <laughs> I was going to say another dislike, another thing that's hard for me is small talk at work. So, um, but the flip side of that is that's why people really like my meetings because there's an agenda. We talk about the stuff and then we get done and we everybody goes and does whatever else they need to do. Um, but I do notice that it is easier for me to do small talk with people I've known for a long time. Um, so how did you end up getting involved in the first place in, in, in your field? Is it something you fell into? Is it something you sought out, got training for? Um, it's pretty hilarious because okay. <laughs> I was accidentally doing it for years and didn't know there was a name for it. Really? So, huh. yeah, I majored in... And this is the overachiever autistic. I majored in humanities with a focus on medieval and Renaissance European history um, and uh, English literature. And then I minored in anthropology and Latin. Oh, is that and all? And that was undergrad, <laughs> right? 
So then I did a ridiculously complicated, I made my senior project harder than it needed to be, literally. <laughs> and I completely fried myself. I, it was oh, the no. first time I think I got to burnout. Really? But I didn't know that's what it was. So like I had a full ride for grad school and stuff and I just could not do it. I couldn't do it. So I decided not to go. And then I did also figure out, though, I love reading and I love history and I don't think I want to do that for work because I love it so much that I just want to do it because I enjoy it, right? Yeah. Like I want it separate from what I do for money. <laughs> was that the lesson from the burnout or is that something you just realized separately? That was the le that was the meaning I ascribed to the burnout, Very good. I okay. guess. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I like how and you so said then, that, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. That's an important distinction. Okay, okay. Um, so then, like, it was hard for me to find a job. Big shocker, right? Because <laughs> I had this, like, history and English uh, degree. So, like, I ended up, you know, having to take, like, I was a bank teller, and I worked at a hotel front desk, and then I worked at, at a rental car agency. And then I ended up in, like, the kind of claim support department. So that was my first time of process improvement is for that company, they wanted us to build out this new call center. So basically like instead of each car rental branch um, calling State Farm and saying, you know, so-and-so's car is gonna take two more weeks to fix, do you approve the rental? There's gonna be a central call center that would make all those calls be more efficient, right? So I actually got to help design what that looked like and help write procedures and stuff. I've never, I'd never done that before and I loved it. I bet, yes. Um, so then I kind of moved sideways and got a job at a software company um, organizing training. So there would be like customers bought the product and they got a certain amount of free training. So I needed to schedule that, but we also had to keep our training liability low, okay. right? So if we owe a hundred people three classes and we have to travel for that and we don't remind them and push them taking it, right? Then we have this big money spend that's just sitting out there yeah does that make sense anyway yeah, like a, so just I, like a so backlog of, of exactly yeah so with that job i made all kind of innovations i mean it was an entry-level job at the software company and i i'll date myself when i started there there was no email at work oh wow so i figured out they were mailing confirmation letters for training and i can and i'm i pitched hey like hey we can use the fax machine instead so we switched to that and then we got email later and then we switched from fax to email so i was able to show that we would save money by not doing the mailing now selfishly speaking it was irritating to me to do it because i knew there were better ways to do it that weren't so much work yeah, yeah. and so that kind of like starting to notice that stuff that's annoying because it seems like there's got to be a better way. Yeah, that was my path at that company. I would fix all the process issues in an area, uh, and then I would get bored and I would go move to another department. So I got promoted seven times with oh, that wow. company. And, That's awesome. Uh, yeah, one of my favorites was they had this Salesforce application that they built in house, and it was a complete failure. Um, the salespeople hated it really hated it yeah and then so for some reason the marketing vp was like look andrea can you go try to help them figure this out 
because they wanted to be able to see how many contacts the salespeople were making and you know how many contacts does it take to get a sale is this collateral useful or should we stop mailing out this hundred page manual you know um, so when I went into my first meeting with the salespeople, they made me a t-shirt that had a bullseye on the front of it. <laughs> That's how mad they were wow. and how bad the application was. <laughs> so like that was my first time of like, go interview all the people and balance what everybody needs and come up with something that's a carrot for everybody. Okay. So I had to translate what the business needed, the marketing folks needed, translate that to what the salespeople wanted and were willing to do. And then I had to translate business to geek to get the developers to do it, <laughs> you know? So it was awesome and it was a huge success because it made a lot of things easier. Um, but I could see those patterns, right? So yeah. like they had this one system where you would go request, you know, brochures to be mailed to a customer and the salespeople were having to put in the address and the name and pick what they wanted. And there was another place where you had to go log your calls there's another place where you requested an RFP and I was able to see how to bring all that together. So they had like one homepage and they could enter the address one time and they, you know, anyway, so just that ability to see all of the parts of something and figure out what is a simpler, better, more efficient way look like and yeah. then sell it. Nice. To people, so. That's awesome. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of, um, a lot of entrepreneur, entrepreneurs, you see the problem, you fix it, you put it all together. I uh, hear that a lot for those types of people who've started these huge major companies that we use all the, all the time. It's, that's cool. From there, the company got bought and I wanted to make sure I got kept on. So I actually figured out a way to fly to California to do some training and ask for a job nice. from the new um, salesperson. Cause I've been trying to get into sales. So anyway, I did that and I was selling software, not my favorite thing. Um, and then they needed a Salesforce tool. So I helped them build that. It was very difficult for me because they went to something that was not as good as what we had built. Okay. Because they wanted to use a as-built platform, right? They wanted to use like, I think it was literally Salesforce, but it, it didn't do all the stuff that the one we'd built custom would do. And that was a huge problem for me. Like I really, I was constantly having to talk myself down and be like, look, you're gonna get paid. It doesn't matter if you agree, this is what you have to do. That is a hard <laughs> <Yeah>. one. <laughs> it was very hard. But once I realized that, I would just kind of give myself that little pep talk every day. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm getting paid. I, I, I know that one. <laughs> <laughs> so my boss at that time, she was like, well, are you gonna get certified? And I was like, what are you talking about? And she said, oh, as a project manager. And I'm like, as a what? <laughs> like, I had never heard of it. I didn't know that's what I was doing. And then a couple months after that, the company started laying people off. And after a couple of rounds of layoffs, I got laid off, but I knew it was coming because yeah. we saw the earlier and it was a pretty decent severance. So I just decided to take off a year and I, and my, like my sister lived with me, my overhead was nil. But anyway, I basically then went and took all the Microsoft Office classes I could. I went and took a bunch of project management classes because like I knew I had the skill set, yeah. but I needed to know the lingo and all the tools and everything. And people like to see those things listed, whether, you know. Yeah. 
they want to see your name comma PMP. Right. <laughs> exactly. So I started out, I got a job at a big healthcare company. Um, and then from there, I've been in healthcare IT since that. So that's how I got there. Just basically the job followed the skills, I think. That's actually, that's perfect. I love I mean, that's, it. Makes it uh, something you get to enjoy more that way. Awesome. That was a long answer. No, it's great. Oh, we love it. We <laughs> love That's fantastic. Answers. Yeah, we really do. I think people are interested to hear um, hear the details. I mean, I know I am, and everybody's exactly like me. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. I need you all to teach me that uh, pep talk thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the self-pep talk? Yes, that, okay, it's okay, I'm still getting paid, I don't have to fight every battle. <laughs> I, give you I a literally pep talk had it on an index card taped to my monitor. That's great. Wow. Because I, I, I guess I caught on early in life that repetition is the mother of learning, right? So mm. I just, anything that I'm having trouble with, I just look at it all the time and make myself, it'll eventually sink in, like, 600 repetitions, yeah. right? Okay. I think yeah. your learning patterns are similar to mine, or at least the the way we end up teaching ourselves things that we know we need, like logistically yeah. know we need to accomplish, but are difficult. We set things yeah. up in our place so that we can actually do what we need to do. Yeah. That's kind of cool. So let's talk a little bit about how autism impacts you at work, right? We know sometimes it's helpful um, for some of the ways that our brain works differently than other people, but sometimes it, it hinders us a little bit too. <laughs> so, so let's first talk about the obstacles, uh, how autism gets in your way at work. What, what does that look like for you? On projects, I think I can avoid the level of small talk that's the little day-to-day relationshipy things that neurotypicals expect. Um, but managing people was super hard for me. I'm not saying I couldn't do it. I actually just took a lateral move in January to not managing people. So my company has a management track and a technical track and I just moved over okay. because okay. I was so exhausted by dealing with employees um and i'm not good at mentoring like if you say mentor this person like i don't know what to do with them i need a structure or a script for that and so i think one of my biggest obstacles was while i was managing people my boss would say well oh you just need to figure out how to get people to feel more connected to you And I'm oh, like, what does that do? look like? <laughs> right. What does yeah. that look like? He would say, I don't know what that looks like. Right. So you're good at mentoring. Before, <laughs> right. That was bef- exactly. That was before <laughs> I was diagnosed. So I kind of didn't know why that's so difficult for me. Makes but sense. I feel like if I had known, I could have just been like, look, I am listening to you. This, this, this is hard for me. But then, you know, people would see that that's just a difference. It's not a deficit. Right. Sure. And, sure. Um, yeah. So that was hard. So that's gotten easier since I made that lateral move. Nice. Um, but what I'm, the more I learn about autism, the more I realize I have a whole bunch of other obstacles that I didn't even realize were obstacles. I didn't realize other people couldn't hear electricity, right? So yeah. now I'm like, oh, okay, earbuds, ear defenders at work. When we get back in the building, that's going to be huge. Um, and then realizing 
why I get so tense when I have to travel. Like I have to have my packing list and I have my directions uh, printed out in case yes. my phone dies and you know. Um, <laughs> so those are obstacles. I would say right now, um, one of my biggest obstacles is my, hang on a second, let me pause and figure out how to say this. Yeah. There we go. This is hilarious that I was having trouble thinking of this one because it's autistic inertia. Um, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so I never realized why um, I just couldn't seem to get going on some days and I didn't know how to get out of it. And so I actually wrote up one of my little index cards is like things to do when you're having a tough day. That's when I like would clean out old email, rearrange my desktop. So I think a it was super important for me to figure out some little things I could do when I feel like that. But B, to realize what the heck it is yes. and learn tricks. So even like this week, I just learned the trick of um, just fill your brain up with something different. I don't intend to listen to an audiobook all day because I don't think I could concentrate, but to listen to an audiobook to get myself kickstarted, you know, and start doing the task while I'm distracted by the, the audiobook. So anyway, I'm beginning, as I learn more, I'm learning about the obstacles and I'm getting a ideas of what tactics I can use to avoid them. But yeah. I'm also feeling empowered that when we get back in the office, there are accommodations I'm going to ask for that I didn't know I needed. I need natural light. I'd like them to move me to an office with natural light. Nice. Um, but they've been super supportive about the accommodations I have for my sleep disorders. Like I actually have a couch in my office and awesome. I have specific permission to nap at lunch because there was a policy that you could be fired for sleeping at work. So oh. I was like, okay, I want it in writing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. I can take a nap. So I, I would say those are my biggest obstacles um, because we already talked about like the, once I have a plan, it's super stressful for them to throw another person into the mix that has sure. role power to change what we're doing. Cause it feels like I wasted my time before that. So. Yeah. That's, I think that's it for a big obstacle. <laughs> that's good. No, it's great. I, it was interesting. You were talking about um, you called it autistic inertia, and it, it's funny because as you're saying, I'm like, oh, that's what that is. If I'm not in the space to do the thing that I want to do, I have taught myself. Like I end up cleaning. Like everything has to be in its place. Oh, everything goes back to yeah. its place. So I'll just, I'll feel very stressed, and I'll just say. All right, everything has to go. So I'll just go from room to room and kind of put things where I know everything needs to be, and then I'll start feeling more comfortable, and then I can take on whatever it was. For you. Well, it is things in their place, yeah. and it is also uh, the budget being uh, oh, yeah. being current, like short up. <laughs> everything is in the budget, and we know where we're at money-wise. But the only I problem with that, that... I didn't realize I was... Y'all, I do that yeah. too. Very nice. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay. Yeah. But the only problem with that is then that one task that should take 15 minutes ends up taking about three and a half, four hours. And it's usually on like a, a day off because that's the only time I have that much time. And, uh, you know, it's like, what did I do? You know, and I it just feel lost. <laughs> Before I had my um, autism diagnosis, also I had some neuropsych testing done a couple years ago, okay. so, which is kind of funny now because like I knew something was up. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was um, some working memory issues and one of the things that she, the doc suggested to me is to talk 
out loud about what I needed to do because I, I'm a verbal and, and auditory processor. So the value of going to that different place in my brain, right? If you're writing something that's different than if you're saying it and hearing it, and that made a huge difference for me too. So I don't care if people think that's weird. I'm gonna start talking about the thing I need to do and pretend like I'm talking to somebody else about it or even talk to somebody else about it. So like nice. that's, that's a, new, a new tactic. Um, I actually do that audiobook thing with chores too because like I'll get so overwhelmed but if I just start an audiobook or a podcast or even music then it distracts me from how much I don't feel like doing that thing yeah um, so that's kind of a tip there or get on the phone with somebody and... yeah that's nice. good um, yeah I did think of another obstacle that I plan to ask for accommodations around yeah what's that um, well two, two one is work schedule Okay. So, um, you know, I have days that are lower spoons than others, mm -hmm. and it would be really great if my net hours for the week were the thing that was measured instead of per day, right? Like so if I have ah. a, a junk day on Tuesday and I'm kind of two hours short, if I could just, if I have energy, if I can make that up instead of having to take time off, that would be helpful. And then the second one is Zoom fatigue. I mean, that's real. Yeah. And they recently came out with a thing that we have to have our cameras on. Oh no. And that's incredibly exhausting because Absolutely. I read an article about it like women are because we're we're policing our what our face is doing, right? We're trying to act interested in what somebody's saying, we're nodding. I literally can't focus on what people are saying when that's happening. So I I did tell my boss like, "Look, I need you to back me up on this, but I'm going to turn my camera on in the beginning and I'll turn it on when I'm talking." but I can't have it on because I'm worrying that people are looking at me and I might have the wrong thing on their face, yeah. which is the most masking thing ever that <laughs> right. I'm not worried about my facial expressions, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. Oh, I no. totally get so. that. Oh, I get that. Um, so let's talk about the fun stuff, the abilities that you okay. have because your brain works different. How does that help you as a project manager? I can imagine multiple things, but I'd love to hear um, how, how that looks for you. Yeah, so um, one thing is my hyper empathy. So okay. uh, when I'm in a meeting and I know the people that are there, I can literally tell what's gonna be a problem for some people, right? So for example, we were moving this move project and I and the person who's in charge of the budget was sitting over here and somebody starts talking about like oh well we'll just do this this and this and that was like a hundred thousand dollars and I knew she probably wasn't going to bring it up but you could because yeah. I didn't know her but I knew and so then I was able to you know guess what her problem is and state it and say well is anybody else worried about that and then her <laughs> and two other people you know yeah. so that did that I think I not only learn what the business needs, but I also learn like what's important to that person. Yeah. And then that's literally part of my calculation when I'm doing things. And so, um, yeah, yeah. That's gotta be super that's helpful. Yeah. That's awesome. It is. My, my uh, alexithemia can be a really big advantage at work too, because I don't get upset while something is happening. What is I, that like, now? I get I've... through it. Oh, alexithemia is like, my understanding of it is like when you're not 
knowing you're experiencing an emotion or which emotion it is and why. Okay. Yes. So I have uh, delayed emotional processing is another way to look at it, right? Okay. So like in that active confrontation, I stay relatively calm and I can kind of compartmentalize it to deal with it later. But if it gets to a certain threshold, then I kind of freeze. But in the business world, that's better than, you know, like blowing up and saying the wrong thing. So I think that's been advantageous at work. And then I can come back after the fact and, you know, figure it out, figure out what I need to do. That's important. Um, Nice. I like that. And just that the design aspect of what I do. So I'm able to see the pattern. Like I mentioned that Windows project, figuring out how to do that a year faster. So I think it's that seeing a problem, pre-wiring the conversation where I anticipate what I need to talk about and what their objections are gonna be. And then I can kind of help them steer to a couple solutions, so. That's fantastic. That that makes sense. Yeah, I love it, yeah. Um. So silly question on that. Um, when you sure. put that into a time, um, uh, like a timetable, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. do you do you factor in that it takes a lot longer to do the first one, and then by the you know the, the ones that go along go much much that's faster? That's a great question. Yeah, that's a great question. We have something in IT called the first time first use penalty. Okay. And <laughs> what that means is you do not know what you do not know. Yeah. And so kind of like we're having to advocate right now for pilots because okay. a lot of people don't understand why you need to pilot something. And so I've been coming up with analogies for that. But basically like it's gonna take longer the first time because there's so many new things you're gonna figure out. And if you iron those out, you can do the subsequent ones faster because you will prevent those problems. Yeah. But if you don't pilot, and, and then you, you gotta figure fix out what you think is the plan and you take what you think is the plan that's untested and you go do it a hundred times. Let's just say you have four problems per project. That's 400 issues. Yeah. Wow. Whereas if you had tested it once, fix those four issues, right? Then you just had four things to fix, not 400. Yeah. So like, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So, so you get faster, you can do more than one at a time when you figure out how to do it better. So like you could do kickoffs for like a group of people after you've tested it with one person. Yeah. Right on, that's awesome. Cool. That, that is very cool. Good question. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you could- For our listeners, that was me patting myself on the back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious because, so we talked about a couple of things that uh, you were talking about asking for some of the accommodations, and of course I was most interested in the couch because that would be <laughs> fantastic. All that that had nothing to do with your autism; it had to do with your your sleep issues. I don't know how to say that without. Uh, I I actually think I am only now realizing how much those two things impact each other. Ah. So I don't know how much of my sleep disorder is autistic burnout. You know, that's it. We, we had talked to somebody in uh, one of our um, interviewees, and they had mentioned it was so so interesting that um, he had thought basically uh, so much of 
diagnoses ha- are from autistic people dealing with the world. How do you say that? Like <laughs> stress, stress exacerbated conditions. Yeah. Based on the autistic profile. Yeah, I like that. That's a, yeah. that, That's what I said. She was just copying me. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so separating out what causes my autistic self to be more stressed and overwhelmed and overstimulated is benefiting my sleep disorder because I didn't, you know, cortisol makes the sleep disorder worse. It's a idiopathic hypersomnia. So like stress, then immediately I have to go sleep. So yeah. figuring out more things to cut out overstimulation um, on things that bothers me is making me less stressed. So. Interesting. Good stress on projects, though, like there. Well, it may be good for me, but not other people. Right? <laughs> is that that I enjoy the the pressure to fix the broken thing? Yeah. That's stressful. Change is stressful for people that kind of change and making something better change is not stressful for me. What's stressful for me is something being crappy and I don't have power to fix it. Got it. So, so yeah. as long as there's like a dynamic aspect of what I can do, then it's not as stressful for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah I, for me, and, and I'm not trying to tell you how you're supposed to feel because that's oh, not no, no, what no. I'm up to. Yeah. But for me, like I find that more exhilarating excitement that's how it is um, for me i think yeah. too you know yeah. um, I, I don't find that stressful i love problem solving especially in the moment where i know you know the whole outcome of whatever it is i'm working on hinges on me figuring out just the right thing to do right here yeah yeah yep that makes sense so we're really excited to see um, how successful you've been and how much you have been able to take all of your strengths and make them work for you. And it's it's really exciting. I would love to know, and I think our listeners would love to hear from you, um, what kind of advice would you give to somebody who's either just learning uh, their diagnosis or just entering the workforce, having this diagnosis? What, what would you say to them? Yeah. I think as far as the just getting the diagnosis, um, just I would say read everything you can get your hands on by adult autistics because nobody can beat that lived experience. You know, yeah. no neurotypical doctor is going to have any idea, honestly, of what's beneficial for you. And you kind of just got to go in distrusting that, you know, yeah. um, and then realize when you're hearing things about yourself that say deficit and you know these things need correction or social skills issues that's all junk we're just different it's like learning greek right it's just a whole nother way of communicating and interacting and so just be accepting of the fact that you're different it's totally okay we just have to squish the world <laughs> out of the way and make more and take up we need to take up more space and be okay with ourselves and take up that space i love it um i highly recommend there's a couple uh sensory checklists where you can go try stuff um, and that's been the single most useful thing for me just to go through online and be like okay do you like being in the grass with no shoes on or not just like learning about that so that you can go try things out 
so that when you do get overstimulated, you have an arsenal of things to try and then you can learn more. So like there are so many things that I was not aware bothered me and there were so many things that I was not aware was a stem that was helpful to me. Yeah. Um, that's just been amazing to find out. So I think my life is literally better than it was three months ago because of just that part. So wow. I would I would prioritize that part of things, yeah. That's awesome. Like I wear earplugs all the time now. Yeah. Not not ear, um, not headphones, but just noise kind of baffler dampener things. And that's been crazy. Like I love to sit outside, but I would get so irritated when like somebody's mowing their grass or some kid screaming. Like if it was like a consistent noise, it doesn't bother me, but the punctuated loud noises. Mm-hmm. Make, yes. Just, and I, and I <laughs> think I wish it wasn't like this, but now I go, I go sit outside with the ear um, plugs in and I feel like I've been on vacation. I mean, it, it's just completely different. It's Huge amazing. Huge difference. I think we have those. Is it kind yeah. of like the... Uh... Well, we have the, the flare ones, the flare audio, and they're not actual yeah. plugs. Oh, okay. They're like a redirection yeah. of the vibration of the sound. Okay. So it, it just kind of... Oh, it, it yeah. Ta- it rounds off the sharp edges of all the noises, okay. which I love. Uh, yeah, it's been very helpful. Yeah. 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 Oh, I was just going to say about the job. Yeah. <laughs> about starting out on a job or or re-examining what you want to do for a job after a diagnosis too. So like, I think either way, um, if you can't be candid about what you're good at, if you have somebody you can bounce ideas off of and try and figure out what jobs that might line up with. Um, but there's also um, a lot of free podcasts. Um, can I mention one? Do you sure, absolutely, yeah, mention? yeah. Okay, it's called managertools.com, and um, that's like, I have listened to all of those. So whether you want to be a manager or not, it has all kind of great tips for how to interview, and um, you know, like when you're new at some place, how do you get started and make yourself valuable? So it's got a ton of helpful hints. Yeah, Yeah. makes sense. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's super helpful. Yeah, no, ahead of time. No, that's nice. good advice. I like that. Thank you, Andrea, for coming on to the show and, and teaching us about your job. Thank you. Yeah, we're happy to have you here with Thank us. You. Okay, this was fun. This was a pleasure. Thank you, guys. Thanks, everyone, for being here and listening to us today. We hope you enjoyed our episode. We know how hard it is to listen to us. What? <laughs> no one says that. They all say, this is amazing. We love listening to you guys. Oh, or- if you do say that, please rate <laughs> us on Apple Podcasts. We would love to have your review, um, and it would help us um, greatly. Thank you. Bye now. <laughs>